Hi, welcome to Bad Patient, Malpractice Makes Perfect. This is our first episode, and I'm Robin Donovan, one of your hosts. And I'm Laura Bierce, your other host. We're here bringing you a layperson's take on health news. And the first thing we want to tell you is that um, we'll give you a little bit about the structure of the podcast, and we want to let you know that we are not medical experts, right, Laura? Nope, I am not a doctor, nor have I played one on television. Yes, we are not medically trained. We cannot give you any medical advice. And if you're thinking about taking our advice, uh, that might be a sign that it's time for you to seek some attention of your own. So that's our that's our caveat. And before we get started, we wanted to tell you a little bit just about how this works. So the deal is that every week, Lara sends me three different general topics. Right, Lara? And then what do you do? Uh, I give you a brief overview of what it is, just like one-word descriptions. Mm-hmm. And then I email you the links, and right before we get started, you get the email. Right. So I think, you know, one of the reasons when we were talking about this, that we chose the title Bad Patient, was kind of that modern idea that doctors, physicians, medical people get frustrated with patients who do maybe a little too much research or who are kind of slightly misinformed. So we're not here to give you an expert take, but we thought that we would take you through the process of kind of interpreting the news and some of our thoughts along the way. So I think I'm ready to get started if you are, Laura. Yep. So our first article comes from the BBC. And it is Belle Gibson, wellness blogger, fined for fake cancer tell. Tale. Fake Close cancer enough. tale. Um, so this is an Australian blogger who falsely claimed to have cancer is being fined um, $322 in U.S. dollars. Or Australia, where she's from, is $410,000 for misleading her readers. She Whoa. claimed to have beaten brain surgery using natural remedies and nutrition. Um, she mm. says she launched a, an app a cook, and a cookbook and then later admitted that she had made up the diagnosis. Um, oh, God. So, uh... I don't even know what to say. I'm so dismayed that she did this. Yeah, so, like, the other article that I pulled up is actually from 2015, the second one that I sent you, and it's talking about Australian health bar admits, a blogger admits to faking terminal cancer, and it kind of explains, like, what she did. Um, she got over $300,000. She promised to donate charity, and that's kind of where this all kind of spinned out of control because she never donated any money. <laughs> um. She admitted that she, um, uh, made it all up and, um, oh my God. So how long did this go on? Like years? It sounds like if, if, so if she developed like a cookbook and an app and all this different stuff, Mm -hmm. she was, this was a career. she She had a, um, she gave like wellness tips to her followers. Okay, um, this is the worst. 
I, initially, when you were saying this, I was like, that's kind of a gigantic fine. But can you imagine if this went on for years and people took her advice and then maybe did not do what their physicians were recommending and potentially shortened their lifespan based on a fake diet, a fake cancer diet? Mm-hmm. So <sighs> she she did a uh, non-refined sugar and gluten-free uh, diet, and she said a combination of that with... Oh, my God. Um, Oh my god! Uh, like oxygen therapy uh, helped her to uh, um to like get rid of her cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get rid of her fake cancer that she never really had. Right. She admitted that she didn't really understand what cancer was. She says she is passionate about avoiding gluten, dairy, and coffee but doesn't really understand how con- how cancer works. Okay, so that's like, some kind of bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, but you either have cancer or you don't, right? Like, no one's ever like, oh, maybe I kind of... Like, you know how you're getting a cold and you're like, oh, shit, maybe I kind of have a cold? Right. Like, no one's ever like, maybe I kind of have cancer. I mean, I think there's sometimes a period of uncertainty when you're having symptoms and, and you know that it might be cancer or maybe, like, you're freaking out and you think it could be cancer, but no one goes like years and years in that state and is like i don't know i have a hangnail or maybe this is cancer right which that's is what you would think the worst that's the but I actually oh but actually there is a psychological condition called factus factitious disorder in which what? a person deliberately and consciously acts as if she or he has a physical or mental illness including in creating a exaggerating symptoms it is oh. part of a personality disorder or and has elements of narcissism. So there's a mm-hmm. thing in which people, there's a psychological disorder in which people, in order to seek attention, they fake illness. Okay, but what I'm, what, and I Googled this like so fast, <laughs> but <laughs> it, lo- it looks like this is something like where they're actually experiencing the symptoms. And I'm saying, I doubt, th- is that... This is consciously cre- someone has consciously created the symptoms, and I'm looking on uh, my.clevelandclinic.org, which I would say is a reputable site. So they have mm-hmm. like deliberately create or exaggerate symptoms of an illness. Oh, so they don't really have to experience them; they're just sometimes they hurt themselves to mimic symptoms. Okay, all right, fine. So this is really a mental illness story. Yeah. But it's the reason why it made news is because she not only sought um, attention from, like, people that she knew, she also did it from people she didn't know and um, <laughs> took advantage of the elderly elderly children and uh, young, young girls. Um, mm. But she had, like, a pretty large following on uh, social media from it. I mean, the only good thing here is that uh, outside of the, uh, well, I mean, getting rid of sugar would be good. Gluten-free but it doesn't cure cancer. No, not at all. And gluten-free, I, I think, is not necessarily healthier. And I, I say this as a person who is gluten-free. But, um, you know, not all gluten-free foods are necessarily healthier. So I was hoping there was going to be some silver lining, like, oh, she got a bunch of people to eat a healthier diet, but... Mm, not so much not so much i don't really know much about oxygen therapy we could look into that but dude this one just bums me out like you know what i was talking to you i was talking to um 
a friend today about Burning Man. I swear to God, this is related. Mm. And one of the one of the things he was telling me was that he loves going so much because it makes him feel like the world is full of giving, loving people because the whole ethos behind it is nothing is for sale that we're sharing and we're caring about each other and we're building this community and we're leaving no trace and we're going to be creative. We're going to come together for a short time and we're going to make something beautiful because that's like, you know, what we're capable of as human beings. And I feel like this is the opposite of that, right? Like it makes me feel terrible because it's like, wow, this is, this is also what we're capable of as human beings. And it's like really, really sad. Okay, so you're pretty, like, active on Instagram, right? Like, I love me some Instagram, yes. <laughs> so what do you think of Instagram health bloggers? Um, what do you mean by health bloggers? I mean, like, people who, who like, don't, I mean, people like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're pretty great. I think that's something. Yeah, um, you mean, like, lay people that are advocating for a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, like this woman clearly didn't have any medical background, but she was giving wellness tips and she was sharing her story, which appears to have been false. Yeah. But there are other people who like, I mean, she, she might have like genuinely be, um, you know, gluten free and coffee free or, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I but mean, I think it's a fine line, right? Like, I, I, I feel like there is inspiration in seeing other people's healthy habits. And I have tried new foods and certainly like, you know, I do like a lot of triathlon stuff and I've gotten a ton of tips and tricks from people, but I think it's a fine line between showing what you do in your life and what works for you and giving ideas, you know, like a recipe idea and telling someone that if they have a certain problem, they should do what you do. So I think when we're not experts, we have to be careful not to prescribe. So we will, (laughs) let's, let's, say that that is also part of I, I think what we're doing here is we're we're talking through our thoughts and feelings about the news and maybe we're getting a little extra information with the idea that we want to empower people to educate themselves and inform themselves and not feel quote unquote bad because they're doing that but we're also not going to tell people what to eat other than completely facetiously right yeah I mean everybody should definitely eat more cocoa yeah I mean Absolutely. Can everyone please buy gluten-free everything so it becomes cheaper for me? Let's just do that. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I think I just said that gluten-free is not necessarily healthier. I mean, you're just trying to you're just trying to use your celebrity for I am. personal gain. I am. You know, listen, all I want in life is there to be a gigantic demand for gluten-free donuts so I can have a good donut. Because it's been 6 years people and I haven't had a good donut and I'm hungry, okay? I'm a hungry person. And I would like a good donut. Not a cake donut, not like a gluey donut. I'm talking like, you know, those like those springy, light, like glazed donuts where the texture is perfect and they're kind of chewy. Oh God. Okay. We got to, we got to keep moving because otherwise this is just going to be a donut podcast and that's going to be sad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next article that I have comes from uh, today.com and the title is standing too much at work may be even worse for your health than sitting. Dude, we can't win on this whole sitting thing, can we? 
Yeah, it's awful to sit all day for your health, but standing can be just as bad. So it kind of goes in to explain, like, why it's just as bad. So, like, part of the reason is by standing for long periods of time is your blood uh, pools in your legs because of gravity. And it makes your heart and veins have to work harder in order to fight gravity to pump blood through you, which can cause strain on your heart and your veins. And so that can also increase your risk of health disease. Um, this comes from the Journal of Edibin Epidemiology. Epidemi- yep. This comes from the <laughs> Journal of Epidemiology. Uh, <laughs> close enough. Close enough. So they did a survey over, I think it's 10,000 people. Nope. 7,300 7, people uh, yeah. over 12 years looking at their study. Um, so it doesn't... Uh, told you not to worry about your standing desk because um, that's that's not what it's talking about because like in theory if you have a standing desk then you'll sit when you get tired and that's kind of a sign of like your blood is you know hurting or you know working really yeah. hard yeah, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> but then it also says if if you sit, it's almost just as bad. Yeah. Because okay. sitting all day is also... So, like, standing isn't the solution. Instead, what they suggest is moving every 30 minutes for at least one minute to reduce health harms of too much sitting and sedentary behavior from a prolonged <laughs> static posture at work. Okay, this is what I love about these studies. And, okay, don't get me wrong. I love a study about sitting and standing and inactivity because I think this, along with some other topics, uh, super tangent, but probiotics, I think, is in this category, is something where we're starting to see more and more evidence. And I don't think we figured it all out yet, but it's it's really something that I think has potential to impact the health of a great number of people, you know, if this stuff all checks out. I think probiotics probably is a little earlier in the pipeline but just i mean all this information about how sitting and standing affect our health um i think it's just fascinating so and what i like about this study the number one thing i love about this study is that it is openly available so if you're if you're reading this story um which is from today called standing too much at work may be even worse for your health than sitting you can click right to the american journal of epidemiology or if you prefer that pronunciation and you can <laughs> you can click directly to the article you can read the whole article and and i i think that's really great so there's a lot of transparency happening and if you're like me you can nerd out and you can get more than just the abstract so that's pretty and cool and if you're like me you don't click on that link <laughs> <laughs> listen (laughs) i know some some people you know they have things they do on friday nights and every once in a while i like to read a great study so just in case anyone's looking for it it is called laura i know you're gonna read this tonight don't lie to me you're gonna get done recording this you're gonna go read the whole thing don't worry me too okay the relationship between <laughs> the relationship between occupational standing and sitting and incident heart disease over a 12-year period in ontario canada so one of the cool things, just like looking at this really quickly, is that it's a gigantic sample size. So 7,320 people. Um, and they they controlled for what they call potential confounding factors, which means things that could that could cause the same association. Um, uh, I just have to say on a personal note, I'm kind of, 
I'm going, huh? because I'm not really sure. Like they're comparing sitting and standing, but I feel like they're not telling us not to sit or not to stand. This this to me is more about don't be sedentary. And I'm a little concerned that maybe the story, like the news coverage of this is making it seem like, like the headline kind of implies like standing might maybe even worse for your health than sitting. So the implication there is what? Like sit down. Right. right. <laughs> and I don't think that's that's really good either. And I, after the three seconds. The real takeaway is no. that you need to, to move. Right. You need to move frequently. It also feels random to me. Like, I, tell me if you notice this, but I feel like a lot of these studies, they they do all this research, right? And it's like they've done a good job here. Let's say after a one minute look, it seems like this is a pretty solid piece of research. But then, like when we read the news story, there's this random, there's like this random piece of advice. So the last paragraph of the study or of the article says, in general, moving every 30 minutes for at least one minute can reduce the health harms, blah, blah, blah. And then last phrase of it, the author of a separate recent study advised. So I'm like, dude, are you laughing at what I'm laughing at here? Yeah. They're (laughs) connecting dots that might not necessarily (laughs) be connected. (laughs) It's like they bring up this thing that they know is going to be like both interesting and anxiety provoking to you or potentially anxiety provoking because or interesting because it's anxiety provoking and then they're like well we got to wrap this up like we don't have that much space i don't have that much time listen are you freaked out here's something you could potentially do but they don't talk at all about the other study or whether it's valid or anything it's just like oh well does this does this scare you here's something you can do <laughs> like okay <laughs> hey just, robin yeah if that freaks you out just know that harry potter is a wizard I don't even, I don't get it. Why is that related? It's not. It's just like. (laughs) (laughs) That's just something you learned recently, right? (laughs) Here's another Uh. thing I read. It's from, it's from the Journal of Not Real Science. Uh I don't know. It could be because it doesn't specify. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. And I, and I clicked on the link and their link just links you to another story on today. So great SEO today, but um, like, where is the study? This is like my life, right? I read stuff and then I'm like, where is the study? Annals of Internal Medicine. Okay, I'm okay. not reading this second study because I what I want to just say about it is that putting a random study in there is trash. Like there's no reason. Yeah. You can't I mean, you can't just say, oh, click this one too. Well, and I think like what might have been interesting is to talk to the researchers for this study and ask them these, like, so what questions. I mean, I, I suppose citing a second study is better than nothing, and that probably has more legitimacy than I'm giving it. But it, it feels a little bit to me like uh, we're trying to put icing on the cake and the cake's still hot, and we're like, ah, screw it. Like, <laughs> just dump it on. I don't know. Wouldn't you think that the original study from the Journal of Ibidabidabida uh, <laughs> would would include like takeaways isn't that like typical no journalism or publishing like why is this important or well it probably does like i'm sure it has a literature like the because it would it would also talk about like the people who don't sit and stand for work and like why they are lower right because like well so okay so the study is not necessarily going to be prescriptive sometimes they're just describing an association or they're describing a correlation so it's not like we're going to expect that this 
the American, you know, Journal of Epidemiology is going to not accept a study where they don't they don't tell us what to do. I mean, it's very valid to say we did some research and we found this. Um, often a study is going to have like a, what's called a literature review, which is kind of like a introductory section where they cite other studies and they give kind of like the so what. So like they'll talk about why the question is important, what are other relevant recent findings about the same topic. Mm-hmm. Because part of like wh- what gives you like academic street cred is also like how many times your paper is, is cited. Um, fun fact, sometimes uh, – uh, who told me this? <laughs> Here, Expert source, um, my friend in San Francisco, her boyfriend had told me once that sometimes professors would almost like kind of nudge their grad students to cite certain – papers that they themselves had authored because it helps bump up the almost like the research SEO, if you will. It's like the legitimacy of their paper. So that's unconfirmed, but I thought that was an interesting anecdote. Anecdotally. Um, yes. So we can neither maybe not a fun fact. Might be a fun <laughs> antidote. <laughs> and and fu- a fun anecdote, which may or may not be true. Please don't sue us. We're nice people. <laughs> um but so, yeah, I mean, it's not like they have to figure out what to do about it. And that, and I think that's what frustrates a lot of people about research, right, is that each little piece can be such a small contribution in the grand scheme of things. It's not like any one study is going to say, like, here's the problem, here's what causes it, here's all the risk factors, here's how we avoid it, you know, and here's what we do in the future. Like, that's 30 studies, not one study. Mm-hmm. So it would have been cool if they had done a trend piece on this mentioning several studies but um, listen, nobody wants to pay for news anymore, and so they have to write these things really quickly. So that's what you get, man. You get 90% of a story about one study and then two sentences about another study that's like, hey, maybe you should stand up. Dude, I'm sitting I'm sitting right now. Are you sitting right now? I am totally sitting right now, which is an excellent segue into the next article that I have, which comes <laughs> from CNN.com, and its title is, Sitting Will Kill You Even If You Exercise. Oh, man. Is this just like an exercise in seeing how anxious I get when we talk about things? <laughs> I mean, yes, probably, because you exercise, but I do not, so I'm going to die. I know. And, like, I always want to think, even though, I like, I think I, I I get it, like, like an hour of exercise a day is not enough, but sometimes I do. Like, I have a really stressful day, and I'm sitting in my chair all day long because i you know we both have somewhat sedentary jobs and by somewhat i mean absolutely (laughs) completely sedentary uh i have a wheelie chair so i don't even have to stand up to go across the room (laughs) i mean i have like a foam roller in my office but i'm gonna be honest it doesn't get a lot of play during the workday because i am working and it's hard to type and foam roll at the same time what is a foam roll a foam roll is like this thing that you use to work out um like muscle knots and things so it's a it's a big a cylindrical foam thing and you like kind of roll various parts of your body over. This sounds so weird, but I, I'm telling you like okay, this, so this is, is definitely thing. not something I'm ever going to use. <laughs> I, you know, next time I come out there to visit, I'll see if they will let me take it on the plane. We can foam roll together. No. Um, you can actually do the same thing with like a tennis ball. Just it's a little, a little different technique, but um, 
Nope. Anyway, to have a tennis ball would imply that A, my dog knows how to do fetch, or B, (laughs) that I I play tennis, neither of which are true. (laughs) Uh, I, You know, I want to say that one of your dogs, at least, is capable of fetching. No? Zero? What I about mean, like they just may be able up. to get it, but they won't bring it back to me. So it's it's a one time toss kind of a deal. <laughs> so you you just need a lot of tennis balls then to keep it going. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I All right. see that you would think that, but that's that is not true because they not... don't want. They already have one. They're good. Like mm. oh, <laughs> like they multiple don't, they don't... toys do not. No, I I got this. I'm good. Like oh my god. Apparently, they were extremely poor as puppies, and so <laughs> they make do with what they got. <laughs> you, like, give them one, and they hang on to it forever. Yeah. And then maybe they grew up during the Great Depression, because they hold on to it forever, and even if they get a new one, they still use the old one and, until it's broken. <laughs> and then we keep we keep that one just in case we need it for parts. <laughs> hey, that's totally legitimate. I mean, that's, like, how I fix my car, right? Like... When something falls off, you can go to, like, the car graveyard and you tell them what you need and then they give you a piece for, like, $10 because your car's old. This is a legitimate car repair technique that I recommend. Unofficially. Because I also don't know anything about cars along with not being <laughs> a medical professional. <laughs> I, know, I know what you know about cars by driving an old car. Which is not nothing, but isn't really legitimate either. <laughs> That's fair. So this article I just thought was funny because it was talking about you standing will kill you and sitting will kill you. So I feel like the only option is to sleep, but then that'll give you bed sores. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone done a study on lying down? Because I'm feeling like that's my that's my safe zone. I can be exercising or I can lie down. I'm going to need to do my all my work going forward from a reclined position so that the blood doesn't pool in my wherever. And does, wait, does the does the blood pool? If I'm lying down also, though, I mean, isn't that the same thing? I don't know. All right. This is an opportunity. So we are on Twitter at The Bad Patient, and we're online at thebadpatient.com, which we could have mentioned earlier, but hey, you know, there's there was a lot to say. And if you know whether or not there's going to be more blood pooling, whatever that means, <laughs> like in lying down versus sitting versus standing then tweet us at the bad patient and use the hashtag bad expert and we will we will learn things you don't want to learn something yes ma'am it's just at bad patient there is Is it there is no that (laughs) are you sure i thought we did the no (laughs) oh no you're right it is (laughs) (laughs) this is the worst branding ever Oh, no, that's kind of thing. <laughs> Listen, tweet someone. Tweet whoever you want, but use the bad expert hashtag, and we will find you. We will track you down with as much vigor as we track down these studies, which is, like, not a ton, but some. <laughs> we try. <laughs> Way to sell it. Thank you. We will find you, and we will get so excited. We would get excited if someone tweeted us, wouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would like- definitely... <laughs> That would be a 12 out of 10 day on the excitement level. So that's all you need to know. Make our dreams come true. <laughs> okay, so sitting's going to kill me and standing's going to kill me. And the, the exciting thing or the terrible thing about this new piece of research was saying that 
even if you exercise, it doesn't matter, right? That like the sitting mm-hmm. is still is still terrible. Okay, wait. So like, Laura, how many hours do you sit a day? Do you think? I mean, it's a lot. Like, like I work eight hours a day, and then I don't. Does sleeping count? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think I don't know, it's probably like twelve hours a day. If I'm completely honest, it's not very good. Okay. So, yeah, I bet I'm about the same. And then I'll do, like, an hour of, like, really intense exercise. And then then I'm like, check, I did things. But the the anxiety-provoking thing here is, like, that this does not... It's not a check. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Also, though, they did, they did that thing where they, like, tried to cap it off on this article, too. Are you seeing this? Mm-hmm. Like, and they're not even citing anything. It's just... I think this might be, just be, like, random tips from the writer. Let's... let's Let's read this out loud. If you watch TV at night, don't zoom ahead during the commercials with your DVR. Instead, walk around or at least stand up during the show break. I mean, that's a legitimate tip, but like, uh, I mean, just says who? Like, says anyone? Says no one? Is that in the study? Or are we just, I don't, this freak, I mean, I think... It's not harmful advice. It just feels very like, are you freaked out? Do this. Yeah, like, here's here's a thing to do. Yeah. How about uh, if you have DVR, you get rid of your DVR, then there will be commercials? I don't know. I don't really know anything about DVR. Do you use DVR? No, I cut the cable. Oh. Well, that's even better. I think every, that's the other thing, though. Hasn't everyone pretty much? Well, that's uh, hashtag millennial. Okay. Some people, in my understanding, have gotten rid of their cable subscription, which I think is a good thing. You know what's really distracting about this study also? (laughs) That they have these little, like, links in the middle that are the same font and the same size, but just a different color, like this, like, the link blue color. So I'm trying to, like, skim this as you were talking, and there's this one that says, how much sex is considered exercise? (laughs) I was like, what? They're just embedded in the story, like... So you're just reading along, reading along, eight sneaky things that may feed obesity. And it's like all clickbait. Mm, that's not, that's not good. I mean, I wish they would like set them off a little more so that it's, it's hard. It's like kind of hard to skim. Um, okay. But so I think there's, there've also been, you know, some other recent studies that were kind of interesting about sedentary behavior that I think, um, for everyone who's nerding out with me and these medical studies, I wanted to mention Laura. All you, two of you. Do, do you have your Do you have your pencil and paper ready so you can share this with everyone you know? Are you? Or you want me to just email it to? You? I'll text it to you tonight. Do you think? Oh it's yeah, good? for sure. I'll definitely click on that link. <laughs> okay. Well, listen. This is like such good stuff. Okay. There was like a meta analysis I really liked that was like they took fifty four studies or surveys about sedentary behavior and then they looked at death rates. Um, for roughly a, I think, nine or 10 year period. Um, American Journal of Preventive Medicine, and it was like all cause mortality attributable to sitting time. And that was the first study that made me feel slightly anxious because like, that was one that said even among people who exercise, and I'm, you know, to be fair, I didn't, I didn't click through and check which study was cited here, but that's a really good one. And there's also one called Sedentary Behavior and Mortality in Older Women. Um, 
that was in a different journal that I liked because it was it was like 92,000 women from 50 to 79 and they controlled for exercise again. And so th- these are pretty solid pieces of, of evidence toward us believing that uh, sitting as CNN so clearly states will kill you, <laughs> even if you exercise. So yeah, I, I think... Yeah, okay, so I'm sorry. One of these is the one cited here. That was the first one, um, analyzing 47 studies. So I don't, do you know what a meta study is? Is that like a study with a lot of studies? Yeah, it's like a study of studies. So, I mean, it's like, it's the easiest way to do research. No, I shouldn't say that, but it's it's researching research. It's bringing all the different research together, which can be pretty tough in some ways. But anyway... Um, yeah, sitting, definitely not great. Standing, also not great. I kind of, I wish that there was actually a little more information on what to do. Because look at this, sitting for 8 to 12 hours a day increases your risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 90%. That seems like mm. a lot. Also, what I think would be interesting to know is what is considered sitting for an hour? Like, if I get up and get a glass of water in the middle, did I sit for two 30-minute periods or is that an hour? Or, like, at what point do you stop? Like, how long do you have to stand up before you stop sitting? You know, like, like what what constitutes, like, a period of sitting? Or maybe they – I wonder how they did this. Well, I think the one was self-reported, which is, like, not amazing because – it's like it's like asking someone how many if I'm like Laura, apples are really really healthy for you. How many apples do you think you ate last month? Like how many? 12. Or if I'm like apples are awful. Apples are like the worst. You're going to get cavities. There's all sorts of toxins in that thin little skin. Like how many apples did you eat last month? You're going to be like, "Ooh, I don't know." But you're going to round down. <laughs> all right. Well, you're an outlier. That's a thing too. <laughs> but it's so true like if you ask me to self-report how much I sit a day and it turns out to be like 15 hours, I'm going to be like four, thir- 12, 10, uh, d- don't know, couldn't couldn't measure that day. I'm going to start again tomorrow. <laughs> like, And I think we do that more than we think we do. Yeah, for sure. Like it's a thing that we don't know that we're doing. Yeah. We assume we're healthier than we really are. Or we yeah. assume our habits are healthier than they really are. Man. These are downers, man. I feel like, listen, special request for next time. Can you pick one that doesn't make me feel like I'm killing myself slowly? Oh, I got some bad news, honey. <laughs> it's all it's all bad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, health news is like, oh, you think this thing that you're doing? Nope. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. It. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. But there's, there's, like, power in information, too. I mean, there's so many people who are doing, like, standing desks, and I just started doing walking meetings, um, and that's super great, except that I had a 90-minute meeting and legitimately was, like, kind of far from my apartment, and at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired and, like, really hot, and I really need some water, and why did I not think that walking for 90 minutes was going to... Like, I was just like, okay, let's just bop out of the house in sandals or whatever. <laughs> like, ah. So, I don't know. All right, Laura, you've got one more, right? Yep. The Is last it... one comes to us um, from Fox News. Our uh, friendly friends at Fox and Friends? 
Uh, it's it's from Doctor Mandy, I think. Uh. She seems. I'm sorry, like I don't want to judge somebody on their name, but it's Manny. Manny. <laughs> uh, Doctor Manny. Uh, new drug beats heart disease by reducing inflammation. And he's a doctor, so he would know. Yeah, so a heart attack in America, which is where we are based, uh, kills an American, (laughs) or an American has a heart attack every 40 seconds, and 15% of those are fatal. And it's the leading cause of death in the United States. And heart disease has been subject to thousands of studies in the last several decades, and breakthroughs in the last 50 years have been significant. We first realized that diet, exercise, and smoke, stopping smoking can directly reduce. In the 1980s, we learned about high cholesterol and how that can affect it. And with this study, they're hoping that it shows that um, reducing inflammation can also reduce the number of um, your risk heart for attacks? heart attack. This was okay. published in the New England Journal of Medicine. And it, Street cred. And Street cred. <laughs> It investigates a trial of a new type of drug that I am not going to begin to um, <laughs> pronounce, but it's the short name the for Cantos? the study is is Cantos. Yeah, for the trial. Yeah. Um. So it, were, it was done with uh, people who had had a heart attack or had elevated levels of high sensitivity C reactive protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the integration of systematic inflation. Um, it's the culmination of 25 years of research, but I don't think that this research took 25 years. Um, but more than 10,000 <laughs> patients took the trials, some of whom were monitored for up to four years. Um, and it showed a 15% reduction in heart attacks and stroke for patients taking 150 to or 300 milligrams of the okay. test. Okay. Of the drug. So what they're hoping is that this will be like the next phase in um, reducing heart attacks because despite the fact that we have done a lot of research for it, we have a lot of drugs for it, and we encourage people to change their diet and exercise and quit smoking. We suck at dealing with it, right? We, we're terrible. Sorry, The number of people who are um, uh, still having heart attacks is still extremely high. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I googled some leading causes of death because that's like a fun thing to do, and um, <laughs> you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it does, Robin. <laughs> okay, it's very interesting, and yeah, heart disease was the leading cause. There's a lag on the data, so heart disease was the leading cause. But okay, I think you got one thing wrong in your summary, and I wanna mm-hmm. um, I wanna applaud your your refusal to attempt to pronounce the name of this drug, which I believe is canakinumab. Seriously, canakinumab. Like, I believe that that is probably a more or less accurate pronunciation. So whoever came up with that name, you're killing us here. Well, <laughs> or the opposite of that, depending on if it works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you were saying it's all about, like, reducing the risk. But, you know, honestly, a study like this, if you were to find that one medication knocks down the risk factors for the leading cause of death in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the health, but someone is going to make a killing on this shit, right? Yeah. 
So, like, yeah, this study is all about blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, this study is about selling some pills, which I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying there's an end game on this one. I'm guessing. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that the doctor who is a lead for the study said is that um, half of heart attacks occur in people who do not have high cholesterol. So part of it is with trying to find another cause of heart attacks, yeah. right? And so that's yeah. why they're hoping that this study will show that inflammation does contribute to heart attacks um, by, because by lowering inflammation, we've lowered the risk of heart attacks. So and that's a maybe big... it's also going to help us learn a little bit more what causes heart attacks because it yeah. appears and that we a... don't... We don't know we don't as much really as know. I would have thought as a layman. My grandmother and my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandfather both had strokes. They okay. were both smokers okay. um, and they had strokes in like my grandfather would have been 88 and my grandmother, I want to say like 90, mid 90s, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so like quite some time ago, um, <laughs> fully admit Um but, like, um, you know, it's this is something that is concerning to me because I would have to mark on my doctor's, you know, history of family history of heart attack or stroke, yeah. right? You know, so. Right. So you're thinking about this stuff. Well, and honestly, it seems like most of us should be thinking about this stuff because what heart disease killed more than 600,000 people in 2015 per the CDC? Which I feel like is pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty good source. Okay, like tangent. Can we do a little tangent? Absolutely. So I'm looking at these um, leading causes of death, and like one you of them, do. like I do, <laughs> like people are want to do. Why else would they have this awesome website? Okay, cdc.gov. People get there. Um, so okay, so the top. I think this is ten. Heart disease, cancer, chronic lower respiratory diseases. Uh, accidents, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, flu and pneumonia, um, what I'm going to call kidney disease, because I guess not a lot of us have nephritis in our vocabulary. But intentional self-harm. Intentional self-harm is a leading cause. Forty More than 44,000 deaths. That makes me kind of sad. I didn't realize that was going to, like, clock up there with the top 10, you know? Mm. So since we're having, like, depressing podcast day... I mean, I thought, people. I, thought, there are resources. I thought the last one was kind of peppy. Like, here's here's some good news. And then you just brought in self-harm. Mm. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, back to heart disease, which is just a, such a pick-me-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I think what's really cool about this one is they're they're talking about starting to divorce cholesterol and heart disease or saying that there's more causes of heart disease than just cholesterol. And I, I think like this is an area where I've been kind of watching a bit and would be, am curious to see more because we, we've started to say that perhaps diet is not as strongly correlated with cholesterol as we thought in the past. And, um, and now we're starting to say, Hey, listen, like heart attacks are not just high cholesterol based. So not that these things are not important that you shouldn't watch your diet or whatever, but you know, this concept of saying like, here's the perception that this is all related to cholesterol. And here's the reality. Half of heart attacks happen in people who do not have high cholesterol, I think could help people think about heart disease more realistically. Because it seems like we're all afraid of cancer, but heart disease 
has been killing more people than cancer for quite some time. Well, actually, yeah, it's not I don't sexy. know if that's true. But yeah, it's not as sexy. And I think it's because like cancer is like I can buy an organic apple. So when I self-report my apples, I'll be like 22, all organic. Ding. <laughs> but, but you know, you kind of feel like there's something you can maybe do or, and I think heart disease feels like there's something you can do and no one wants to do it. Right. It's about, yeah, it's about eating healthfully and exercising and genetics, I suppose, and a number of other things. But yeah, it's just kind of like the wah wah, like the things that everyone feels like their primary care provider te- keeps telling them. And they're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So I think we, I think we're kind of like as a country, almost Bad tired patients. of. Well, I mean, you said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, you and I certainly are. So. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, people. Here we are. <laughs> the title of the podcast does not lie. Did you see this bit about the the drug, the canakinamab? Also, they're saying have the participants risk of dying from cancer. Yes, but you see that it evened out in the end. No. What the happens? I need I need an assist here. What am I seeing? Where is it? Uh... Oh, the reduction in cancer deaths was balanced out by an increase in fatal infections. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, oh, wait, why is that a parenthetical statement? That should be right next to like <laughs> incidental finding. It have your risk of dying from cancer, but it's ba- fatal infections. Yeah. What in the whoa? I would I would like to read a lot more about that. Yeah, but for the research, you may discover ways to minimize infection related risks. No, I love that. You know, honestly, further invention, further research may find a way to put a dog on the moon. But like, what? See, that's another one of those things where I'm like, that is a throwaway mention. Like, we all understand that it's, further it's in research, like, <laughs> so we can say anything important. we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might cut your cancer risk. It might give you a fatal infection. They might do more research. Listen, people, anything could happen. Like, I don't know. Also, I'm not sure I love the inclusion of a quote. The quote that ends the, the story is, this is very exciting. And it's from the I, it's from the researcher. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, yeah, no kidding. I mean, I don't well, totally disagree. Like, qualitatively i don't disagree like this is kind of i would say this is kind of interesting like because who who knows also where is there a link to the study in this story uh, i didn't see one but that doesn't mean it's not there there's links to a bunch of other articles like is your thyroid sleeping on the job well, i hope not um especially because it doesn't have eyes yeah, um where, no there's the, no link the other thing I that i found was interesting is this may be inc- an incidental finding but it may <laughs> maybe not incidental fighting but it may inspire cancer researchers to may begin investigating the role anti-inflammatories may play in preventing cancer Jesus. for high-risk patients i just there are like four mays in that yeah at a certain point it's like i think if you're interviewing that researcher you it also say, may okay. inspire people to put a dog on the moon who it might? Who it knows? Might. Who knows? I mean, listen, like, wouldn't it be cute if he was up there, like, like, 
the man in the in the moon needs a man needs a dog. Yeah, he needs a best friend up there. So yeah, and and he, and that may that may Laura that may be the subject of future research because we mentioned it now, which may spur interest in canine moon landings, and that may. <laughs> I mean, who's to say, who's to tell me that it's impossible? Anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. (sighs) Well, so, and this article was first published on the author's website, which I am not going to mention because I feel like that's mean. Um, You know, link to the study. Can a kinemab? Okay, so my final question for you. You have a final question for me? How exciting. Mm-hmm. What is your current medical fascination? Um, okay, well, this is kind of a like an everyday thing, but um, I've been thinking a lot recently about um, like micronutrient supplements, um, vitamin supplements, mineral supplements, and how taking one can impact the absorption of another. So I'm someone who sometimes has low iron. And when my iron is low, it becomes important to me to try to fix that, obviously. Um, And so I was talking to a friend who's an epidemiologist and just looking at different information. And it turns out that there's a number of things that kind of block one another and or that that like work closely together. So um, I think a one pair is calcium and magnesium. So it would almost be like you want to be careful that like supplementing with one does not influence the amount of the other that is absorbed in your body or available in your body. Um, and so it's kind of like if you're taking a bunch of calcium, your magnesium may be low as far as I understand it. And that like certain things block the absorption. So like vitamin C is and like something that helps with the absorption of iron. So it just kind of made me think about like, well, I mean, so that means like the foods that we eat in certain combinations could influence how much of, of these things that we're absorbing. And there's also like, there's some information about like um, being low in one nutrient or micronutrient technically, corresponding with being low in another. So there's like a vitamin D and iron that often occur together. So that kind of raises certain questions. Um, So yeah, just I've, I've thought a lot about like absorption rates and synthetic vitamins and things like that. And so this is kind of more information about, you know, needing to be aware that it's not as like supplementing is first of all, questionably helpful. Like if you look at the research, there's some information that like taking a multivitamin uh, last I heard, it was kind of like question mark as to whether that's helpful. And then if you need, if you do need a supplement, do you understand how to take it, when to take it, and what to take it with to like maximize the healthful impact on your body? And you know, I guess if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, then I start thinking like, okay, if I'm putting this in my body, like, what about um, potential like contamination or like heavy metal um, contamination in supplements which aren't well regulated? So. That's a gigantic tangent. I will leave for another day, but current medical fascination, supplement absorption rates. So yeah, I guess if you are an expert about that stuff and you want to send us some resources, uh, hashtag bad expert. And we are on Twitter at bad patient and Thanks. online. Oh my God. <laughs> See, now you messed me up. <laughs> the bad patient. Yeah. The bad patient. 
So we are on Twitter at the bad patient or thebadpatient.com if you want to listen, learn more, or share your actual expertise with us. We would be super excited. Until then, I think um, we're going to wrap it up unless you have last thoughts for us, Laura. Thanks for listening to Bad Patient. Malpractice, Malpractice makes, makes, makes perfect. perfect. <laughs>